Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast, where I'm going to be speaking with someone whom I've known since I was 11 or 12 years old. He's also a former bandmate of mine from our high school days in a band called Five Star. Coming up, I'm going to be speaking with my good friend Justin Jar about growing up some Midwest punk rock loving fools. You're listening to the Powered by Rock podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. The Powered by Rock podcast was created to help showcase some of the best rock musicians in the world and to pass on to future generations the rock music that has inspired rock bands around the world for decades. We want listeners to be able to hear great stories and life experiences directly from their favorite artists, as well as dig deeper into music theory and talk rock like no other show you've ever heard. This isn't about looking cool. It's about getting real and having a great time. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, 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 welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast. I'm super pumped about the show today because I wanted to bring on an old friend. Uh, we're going to have a couple beers while we do this episode because it's a old friends catching up type of one. Um, and I want to do that for a couple of reasons. Firstly, so we can spend some time just catching up because it's literally been like, I don't know, a couple of decades since we spoke uh, either, you know, some sort of face-to-face interaction. And secondly, so we can give our perspective on some of the music that shaped our lives over the last 25 years or so. Um, so with that said, I'm honored and humbled to have the former basis of our shared band and a man who I could call a great friend, even if we didn't speak for the next 20 years, Justin Jar. Welcome to the show. Ah, thanks. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Been a while, huh, dude? Yeah, it has. It has. So you don't look any much different, obviously, than a little bit of longer hair. Maybe I've we've gained a couple pounds, but I think that kind of happens, uh, you know, from age 19 or 18 to like, what, 39 now? Yeah. Yeah. The hair is recent. I, uh, that's the, you know, I haven't had to go into the office for a while. So, uh, been able to kind of grow the hair out and not really have to worry about what it looks like during those awkward stages. Uh, but <laughs> like the, the, the pixie haircut or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> shave the, shave the sides and just like sweep it over. Kind of. Yeah. Well, I got this, I got the sides kind of shaved up, I guess. I, I too, I get too hot. I'm a superconductor. So I got, uh, shave uh shave a bit off yeah so you haven't put it in a mohawk lately or nothing um no 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 mohawks for for a while <laughs> cool so i want to break this episode down into a few subtopics so that we can kind of sort of hit some major points about the music that influenced us so it's going to be kind of a time machine episode as well um so buckle up and get ready to flash back everybody uh, firstly, I want to dig into each of our own progression into the music that we came to love, specifically how we became uber fans of pop punk in the late 90s. Secondly, I want to reminisce a little bit about the pop rock, uh, punk rock compilation albums that we used to buy to discover some new music, like, you know, since shit like YouTube and Spotify didn't exist and punk music was insanely hard to crack without some sort of lifeline and some connection there. Thirdly, I want to talk about the popularization of bands like Blink-182 and how that transformed pop punk for better and worse. And lastly, I want to talk about our days in Five Star and some of the musical aspects of just being in a band and making music that we enjoyed playing and listening to, because I still think it's pretty good, but, you know, we, we might be our biggest fans in this, in this <laughs> arena. <laughs> so let's dig in. So I, I obviously I've known you for a while, but it's, like I said, it's been quite a long time since we've talked. I think we, we recorded our album the summer after high school, or maybe it was the next year after, after first year of college. And I don't think we've seen each other since then, or even really spoke since then. So Let's kind of go back to even before that. Let's go back to some of the formative years when we, you know, we started listening to music and 
I just want to ask you, can you even remember what were some of the very first artists you really enjoyed? And I don't mean just like rock or punk rock, like before those bands, you've ever found those bands, what were you listening to? Because I know I was a big fan of like Ace of Bass and Boys to Men back in like fourth and fifth grade. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if I were, was really a fan, but, you know, the first uh, concert I went to at the Bismarck Civic Center was uh, uh, who were like Boys to Men and MC Hammer, I think. I was there, was that yeah. Just- I, I think that's funny because we didn't even know each other then, but I was at that concert. <laughs> yeah, that was probably like we were in fifth, sixth grade then. Yep. You know, um, but you know, like when uh BMG came out with those catalogs, you got like a hundred CDs for ninety nine cents. Yeah. My, and then it's like, mom, oh, I gotta pay like thirty bucks every month. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a catch to that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my mom only picked a few, and I picked um, Nirvana's Unplugged and. Green Day's Dookie, and then TLC Water. I don't even know what that CD was called. Water with yeah. the waterfall <laughs> song on it. Anyway, I, <laughs> uh, a little too much MTV probably for me at that time, but I would say you know, yeah, definitely probably Nirvana and uh, Green Day. You know, even if going back even further from that, maybe Guns and Roses. I really uh, got into as a really young kid. I got Appetite for Destruction on my hands when I was like. I don't know, that came out in 89, so, or maybe even before that, but so yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, I was, you know, maybe first, second grade, I don't even know how I uh, came in possession of that, but mom found it and took it away from me pretty quickly, but <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say Guns N' Roses and Nirvana, probably. That's funny, yeah, because I mean, I remember even before that, my, my dad playing music, right, so it'd be like Cheap Trick and Nazareth and Beatles and Led Zeppelin and all those things, and it's like, that that kind of was like there, but it was always like, that was like older person rock music, right, so it was like, it wasn't my music, it was like my dad's music, and I liked it, but I couldn't claim it as my own, and then when like, you know, we started listening to like Nirvana and, and, and Green Day and Weezer, you know, that's when I started being like, these are my own bands, like these are the ones that were in my genre and my era, and my era, so yeah, I mean, going from that that all pop music in like grade school because that's what only people listen to is like you you had to be the popular kid or at least don't be a, a complete nerd, right? So it's like <laughs> listen to what everybody else is listening to. But then when you get into junior high, then all these people start branching off into different cliques. And I think we met shortly after seventh grade or in seventh grade. And yeah, I mean, I remember like <laughs> I remember doing a lot of stupid shit with you guys, but uh, listening to music and then obviously even buying like go like i remember going like because uh cds used to be released on tuesdays so we'd go to like walmart on a tuesday after school and be like let's go get the new weezer album or let's go get the new green day album or whatever and it's like that was that was pretty you know i remember those things vividly because i'm like i want to be the first person in all of north dakota to buy this album or whatever obviously we weren't but that was kind of like our goal um yeah so when did do you remember when was that like sixth grade, seventh grade? When did punk rock and like rock and indie music come into your life? Because it kind of, indie music probably kind of comes later. I mean, it's not something that, that that's going to be introduced at the same time as mainstream rock and punk. Right, yeah. More like, yeah, like thinking like back to like the 90s alternative scene probably is where it really started. So yeah, uh, junior high, I would say for sure. Yeah. Um, if not, you know, maybe maybe by sixth grade even. Yeah. And so after you kind of started digging into this stuff, what were some of the bands that like blew your mind? Um, yeah, you mentioned Weezer. I think they were one of the first ones that, um, you know, kind of that that Blue album was unbelievable. And then 
Pinkerton came out a few years later and, yeah. you know, was, you know, just as good, if not better. Um, Blasphemy. No, I'm just <laughs> that was like 25 years ago, right? I think yeah. I, I just saw something that that was that Pinkerton's been released 25 years ago. So that's yeah. crazy. Nirvana Nevermind is 30 years old. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that CD too. I, it's crazy to think about the media you use to listen to. I bought the cassette tape of Nevermind. <laughs> and remember, I still have the, I still use the boom box when I'm outside doing yard work uh, to listen to <laughs> the radio, but it still has a cassette player in it. I don't have any cassettes, so I don't use it, but. Man, it doesn't yeah. even have a CD player on it. That is old. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's old school. Yeah. It's for outdoor work now. It's so you can put it on your shoulder and rock around the block. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> you got it. Got all those giant C cell batteries in there. <laughs> so I remember, you know, obviously some of the bands that I was listening to and, and when Weezer came out also right around that time, uh, Matt Sharp of Weezer kind of started his own side project with the rentals. And I was, I was absolutely in love with the rentals. It's like, I almost like that as much or more than either of those Weezer albums. But I was like, I, I like blue album is still like, one of the absolute greatest albums of all time. Pinkerton's right there too. But the return of the rentals was so, something that just, I didn't, I don't think anybody really liked it as much as I did, but I thought that there was some, something about the harmonies and the, just the oddball way that Matt Sharp put that album together and, and obviously recruited that band that I was like, this is, this is inc incredibly interesting type of music. So that kind of shaped my, you know, my, my perspective of here's what the popular version of Weezer is. And here's basically the not so popular version of Weezer. And I thought that was kind of like a cool flip side of the, the same coin. Yeah. Do you, do you remember how we heard about the rentals? Um, my, my, my mom had a cousin that lived out in San Francisco and he sent me a few CDs and the return of the rentals was one of them. And that was, you know, way back in junior high. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's uh because I totally remember that album too, and yeah. I, I I have the same feelings as you. Yeah, it was it was a pretty um, out there album as far as different with all the like his uh, synthesizers or whatever he was using in it. Yeah. Um, it was 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 pretty out there and cool. But yeah, I I totally remember that album. Yeah, and I and I know that it was on like they 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 released uh, one of their um, videos on MTV, but it was like. 120 minutes so you only start at like midnight or something like that so it's like yeah let's stay up to midnight they're going to release the new rentals you know whatever it's like man that is such a loser thing to do but it was like i was like always excited to watch 120 minutes with matt benfield um so then let's talk about a little bit of a progression right so as you started getting older you know out of high school into college out of high school out of college how did your musical taste change because you know <laughs> some of it doesn't like i'll still say that I have a theory that whatever you listen to in high school and college, basically you'll listen to a lot of that for the most of the rest of your life. Right. So it's kind of ingrained in your DNA, but what kind of stuff started shaping you in those years? Um, yeah, I would say those years I like musically, I really haven't matured at all. I've, I've always kind of <laughs> like, honestly, I listen to the same shit that I did back then. Um, I'm kind of a creature of habit too. So it makes sense that, um, you know, when I find something I like, I don't, I don't move away from it, but, you know, um, Blink came into play and really opened up a lot of music that I didn't know about um, before, you know, um, 
saw Bad Religion open for them. Yeah, that was and, a cool call. Yeah, we're, we're did did you come with? Yep. I okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In um, an old that, that baseball, baseball stadium. stadium. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that was the first that you know that opened my eyes to to Bad Religion. I've never really knew about them or heard of them before, and you know, just a huge fan of them now. You know, like just thinking about all the stuff they released. Uh, and I had no idea, you know, back in the 90s and late 80s, and I love it now, um, yeah. but had no clue uh, back then. Yeah, and so, for, for, for punk rock purists, that's like, you know, those tweets when like Paul McCartney did a song with Kanye West, and they were like, all these kids were like, oh, it's so good of Kanye West to like expose new artists and stuff like that. It's like, Paul McCartney? <laughs> like, he's not a new artist. But like, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing with like punk rock purists. They're like, you had to go through Blink-182 to hear Bad Religion. You're a shit punk rock yeah. fan but we're from the midwest man we didn't have all all the connections that everybody else in california had no exactly and yeah it kind of opened up all that southern california skates skate punk uh type stuff like no effects and uh rancid um you know all you know pennywise the offspring all all those bands that kind of came up you know around that time too um just really gravitated towards yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so for me, it was kind of, I started transitioning a little bit away from punk because at that point, pop punk kind of became like this. Everybody had to have an annoying voice to kind of be in pop punk. So bands like Newfound Glory came in and I started to like them at first, but then they got really kind of repetitive in that. And Jordan, whatever his name from the band is, his voice is kind of higher pitch and just kind of like that nasally. So it's like, that's how bands started to kind of come out and like, um you know there's a lot of other bands I, I can't even think of another one off the top of my head but like simple plan for example and i was just like it seems like these adults are trying to act like little nasally whiny kids and i'm like i'm gonna move away from punk for a little bit because i want to go out and see what the indie rock scene is and that's where i started finding bands like cursive uh portugal the man later on um minus the bear a lot of these the bands <laughs> cage the elephant stuff like this but you know, these bands started getting really, really big, kind of not, maybe not minus the bear, but KG Elephant and Portugal Man for sure have gotten big over the last few years. And it turned indie rock into the new pop punk. So it's like now all these bands and in indie rock were getting really big. And I was like, man, it's like the the, the 90s all over again. Cause like, I remember when we, we would like watch the damn it video and we're like, dude, these guys are going to be huge. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, you know, with Blink-182, but uh, let's kind of, pause there because i think that's kind of us in the formative in our nutshells so let's move on and let's talk about these punk uh punk rock compilation albums because this was another little side secret that we had i guess or you know the, there was another connection that probably most people didn't pay attention to these albums but for guys like us when we couldn't go to shows and see you know bad religion and leg wagon and all these awesome bands kind of ripping through you know every city in our state i remember like driving to fargo you know, overnight, just like driving there and back from Mandan. And that's like a three and a half hour drive back and forth in one night just to watch real big fish. I'm like, I don't want to do that every time I want to go see a show. <laughs> but when we, when we, when these first punk rock compilation albums came out, you know, we're talking about like punkorama, fat music for fat people uh, and all the other fat ones, like fat music for whatever people is like, now it's like fat music for wreck people is the newest one that came out. And and even the Kung Fu record compilations like No Stars, Just Talent and all that stuff. I remember specifically buying the last one that No Stars, Just Talent 
for just the two Blink-182 songs on it. And then finding out that the Vandals were fucking amazing from that album. I was like, who are the Vandals? These guys are awesome. And then I saw them at, at we saw them at Warped Tour. And I was like, dude, these guys fucking rock. Like, so what, what bands did you see from any of those punk rock complica- uh, comp- comp- complications, compilations that you kind of either just learned about or got way more into from those things? Yeah, I would say um, I definitely remember the fat music for fat people. They they came out with one quite often. There was probably yeah, three it's or like four one every year or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, I remember. I'm pretty sure that's how I found out about Legway again. Um, yeah. You know, bands that I probably really didn't get into but still enjoyed, like Bracket and Propagandy, were also yeah. really they had really good songs on on those compilations I remember. And, um, you know, I think no effects a lot of times puts like their B sides or whatever on those yeah. albums too. So that was kind of cool to hear, you know, songs that you hadn't heard before. Yeah. Um, or like sometimes I put a cover up there or something like that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, you know, you said, you know, you didn't, you didn't kind of get into bracket, but I actually, from those things, I was like, dude, brackets, like one of the best bands on this album. Like I'm going to go check them out. And then, kind of got into bracket but i could never find a bracket cd to buy and that was the only way to get into their music so i was like give me more bracket how do i get bracket so like maybe i order one off of like their website or or off of like the fat records website at the time or something but literally it was like impossible to like (laughs) there was no youtube again there was no streaming services so like you had to go super far out of your way to hear more and more of these bands and um i think there was probably about a four-year lag between me liking and finding bracket in the first place to me actually being able to purchased one of their cds and i was like this is awesome um no effects definitely i got more into them i mean i remember uh them releasing those songs like even i think they're even on the punkorama ones rancid as well um you know i liked rancid i liked no effects but i don't think i would have really got into them more if i didn't hear more of them through me through these compilation albums and melancholy that was a huge one like yeah how fucking depressing would it have been if we never heard of melancholy yeah, yeah, no. That, those guys are fucking awesome. That album, that one album they released, I can't remember. I can picture I think it in my head. Of Penny Bridge Pioneers yes. with Fox yep. and No Cigar and stuff. Yes, that yeah. was a classic. That, every yeah. every song front to back was great on that album. I agree. I just listened to it like three days ago. And I was like, wow, I forgot how I almost know all the words to every song, and I haven't listened <laughs> to this album in like twenty some years. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's just that good. Yeah, I agree. So, so I don't actually, I don't know if the record companies made like much uh, money on those albums or if the artists even got paid much for doing them, but I swear the lifetime value of like becoming a fan from just us buying those things is well worth those artists appearing on those albums. Do you feel like, you know, any of those same thoughts about the comps? Like, have you like probably purchased more of their stuff and, and seen them more just because like you, you saw those albums? Oh, I totally agree. Um, You know, I, I think, you know, kind of the same you know, thing that you were saying that bands like Rancid and No Effects, I may have not even found out about or got into if if we didn't have those compilations. Yeah, and we we did our separate top forty list, and I think you put No Effects in your top ten, and I think I had them around my my number nineteen or eighteen or something like that. So, I mean, these are bands that we've liked for our whole lives, and they're up there with the you know like most played bands that we've we've ever seen. And, I know I've I know we saw them at we saw No Effects at a Warp Tour. We saw a lot of these bands at Warp Tours, and we'll maybe we'll have you come back on. And we'll talk about some of the festivals and stuff as well, because that's equally an experience on its own for finding out more about new bands and stuff like that. But 
I do want to throw one more uh, kind of, I guess, compilation into the mix here. Uh, it's not particularly a compilation, but there were also soundtracks to like both movies and video games that were absolutely excellent back then as well. I mean, I remember Mallrats having a great yeah, soundtrack. I was just thinking about that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember like Weezer had a, you know, that, that song Suzanne on there. I was like, odd. Okay. Like it. Um, yeah. And then like, you know, Sublime having two joints on there and some other bands being on there. And then obviously Tony Hawk Pro Skater was absolutely legendary, especially for punk rock. Yep. So do you have any thoughts about soundtracks that were kind of game changers for you? Yeah, no. Um, Suicide Machines comes to mind when you say Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I, I don't know. You know, maybe I can't remember if it was Tony Hawk or like you were talking about at the Warp Tour, you know, you find out bands going to festivals and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, um, yeah, but to get back to your question, yeah, I, w I would say um, definitely find out about bands too through that way too. And the Suicide Machines comes to mind for sure there. Yeah. Yeah. So all of this led up to, you know, that late 90s push of that meteoric rise of Blink-182 and this, you know, Green Day was like this monster at the time. Green Day was the pop punk, you know, best to ever do it essentially i mean no effects was in there but they were underground right so like you see like we know of these bands but these aren't mainstream bands green day broke the the the, the mainstream thing wide open for punk rock and you know then kind of rancid kind of caught on to that and some of these other bands kind of caught on to that but only here and there and then all of a sudden blink Way two you know i remember something to the effect of like you know after hearing damn it and that that dude ranch album coming out and we listened to that for freaking two summers in a row or whatever before they launched anima of the state i remember thinking like these guys should be as famous as boy bands at the time like why aren't these guys on mtv every day like this is crazy and it just felt like it was only a matter of time before they got famous so like you know we we heard the song damn it bought dude ranch i think all all of us basically every person that we knew that was like fans of like music that we like then we went back listen to cheshire cat listen to buddha and by the way i still believe that to this day that's the all-time most best-selling album on Kung Fu Records is, is Buddha by Blink-22 because they actually released it after they kind of got big. So it's like, you know, they probably would have got 500,000 copies sold or something like that, which blows everything else out of the re of the water on that one. But um, then basically, I, I remember even digging up like their demo, which was actually kind of good. It was like like 10 or 11 songs of this really, you know, crappy four-track recording or something. But then obviously Enema of the State came out. Some things changed. Uh, Scott left the band. Uh, I, did you even hear of why he left the band? You ever? I, I had to go look this up like recently, like a couple months ago. Yeah, um, I guess I always knew it was something kind of I thought with his, you know, just drinking, I guess, kind yeah. of. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so the story is, and, and I'm, I'm assuming this is true, because he got really drunk, jumped off the top of a house or something and broke both of his legs. So he couldn't drum when they were supposed to be in session for for like recording um so that caused a lot of issues and then yeah he was i guess drinking a lot but then then travis barker comes in and there's a quote uh and i've probably used this in multiple um podcasts from now until the end of time but there's a quote is i think it's attributed buddy rich he's one of the all-time legendary drummers of all time he said something to the effect of an average uh an average band average drummer in a great band will make a average sound they'll sound average but a, a, you know a great drummer in an average band will make it sound great so even if blink 182 didn't get any better and they didn't get any more legendary in terms of like what they were putting out 
just by adding a great drummer, like literally that transformed what their music sounded like. And I remember just thinking like, well, who's this new guy, Travis? But I, we, I knew of him from the Aquabats. He was Baron Von Tito from the Aquabats. <laughs> I even had the, the thing when we met him and took pictures with him. I borrowed that from a friend of ours and uh, got it signed by him. But, you know, when they did that, you just knew, like, as soon as you've heard, what's my age again? You're like, oh, shit, like, this this album's going to be huge. Like, soundtrack of the summer. So from your perspective, what was that like? And how did that change your kind of view about punk music? I mean, it's now the most famous thing in the world at that point. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because you were talking about how, you know, we were listening to these guys and just, were, you know, thought they were so great. But now they put out this killer record and everybody likes them too. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's not really yours to begin with, but you just yeah. feel like, oh man, like this was mine and now it's everybody's. That's no fair. Like I, I knew about these guys way before you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was just one of those albums, kind of like never mind, where it's just, you know, people say music changes your life, and I don't really know what that means, but it's kind of like. It's, it's kind of like something like it doesn't really change your life, but it's just like it's just one of those times where you look back on your life and you just it's just you remember exactly what was happening. I remember going into that whatever I don't remember the records, what it was called, but it was that strip mall right by the Civic Center. We went in oh, yeah. to buy the Enema of the State record. Yeah. And yeah, we listened to it all summer. Um it it just yeah it um i just couldn't believe what i was hearing i guess it uh yeah. it was unbelievable yeah and I, I remember we even went to a, a concert a few months later <laughs> this was this was a a cover band in north dakota it was like this oh, shit. uh i can't even remember the guy's name it's he's, he's basically like the, the legendary you know guy that does cover music and, and they do it for like a summer <laughs> concert series and we were there. We were wasted. I mean, this is like right after high school or something like that. It was like, and uh, they're playing <laughs> all the small things. Yep. And uh, you're just like screaming. You're, you got your backwards baseball cap on. You're like, no, stop, stop. And they think somebody's hurt or somebody's dying. And so they're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop, stop, stop. And they stop the whole show. And, and they're like, what's up? And and you're like, no, you can't play. This is, this is Blink-182 song. And, and they're like, oh. Okay, well, we're going to play it too. And then they just started playing, but I was like, what an absolute jackass. Oh, no, it's a total cringe worthy moment. Like, you, yeah, you tell that story and it's just like, oh, man, yep, jackass is a great way to describe it. But yeah, no, I was totally set on stopping this guy from playing my favorite band song because I thought in my head only they could play it. And yeah, like yeah. you said, uh, more than one or two cans of confidence in me, I'm, I'm sure um and yeah stop them and I, that's exactly what i said to him you can't play blink 182 only blink 182 can play blink 182 and he just goes well we're gonna play it too just like yeah. just like you said and they continued and yeah i look like a total jackass yeah and every every year i just remember looking at you and like what the fuck and everybody around is just like absolutely but it was i mean i still remember it to this day so it was it was worth worth it because it was a memory i'm glad i could amuse you <laughs> and obviously this leads me to our final topic that you know it's a little bit of a a treat for the the viewers because i don't i haven't actually shared who i am really with anybody but um 
it's kind of I'm leaking it through all the episodes bit by bit so they can piece it all together later. But uh, we were such big fans of punk music that we actually went and started our own pop punk band called Five Star. I mean, that was not the only name. We went through quite a few different names. Pen 15, uh, Kindergarten Ashtrays was a thrown around name. Oh, for a I while. forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that was the name we settled on was five star and you played bass in it. Originally you were the singer. Um, we kind of brought you in as a singer and we had a different bass player. Um, and that we actually have recording of that, which is, I still, I still love going back to that because you had so much energy as a singer that like, like you didn't care if you like you sang well, just as long as you like, it's kind of like Dickie Barrett from Mighty Mighty Boston. He's not a fantastic singer. He's he can sing, but it's more about the energy and the, 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 what he sang. And so it was, it's awesome to have you on there because you're just like, you know, a 300 pound gorilla, just like going up there and be like, rah, 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 like, <laughs> like, this is awesome. Cause at the time I didn't have all the confidence in the world or the, even the skill to be able to play guitar and sing all the songs. So that's why I was like, I'm looking for a singer. And uh, so we transitioned you to bass and I thought, I just want to get your thoughts on like, what's your memories? How do you feel like that band was like, how did your, you know, what was your your experience going from singing and playing bass? And just how did you think that the music stacked up as far as being good, bad or awful? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I remember when we when we first started. Uh, yeah. The, my uh, my singing and it was mainly a lot of we did a lot of covers uh, before we really or you actually started writing like our music that we would put out there eventually. But. Um, I, I just wanted, it was just cool to be in a, a band, right? And just, I, like you said, I'm, I'm pretty introverted even back then. And now I know myself more and I, I know I'm introverted, but getting on a stage, it, like that whole persona is gone, I guess. It just feel you just get energy from playing in front of people, whether it's five people cheering you on or you know i probably at our most maybe 30 people <laughs> oh we did play a couple of those like uh, battle of bands at our high school auditorium where probably about three or four hundred people were there <laughs> that's true yeah i'm yeah. right about those yeah. um our own, yeah. our own shows yeah definitely 30 people was probably the most <laughs> um yeah um but you know just singing i knew i wasn't good but didn't really care i just you know it was was having fun and we, you know, it's not like we we're out to make money, just having fun. Um, and then I do remember the transition with, with the bass, um, with Blake, with Blake. Uh, yeah, he's, he was kind of an odd, odd duck, right? I mean, yeah. um, I mean, his dad was growing up to be a dentist. He obviously wasn't going to be in a band for his life. It was just kind of something he, we talked him into, I think more than anything. Like, come on! I think Blake, he had a bass. bass I think he had a bass, right? Basically, no. That's... I think we made him buy one because he got oh, a wow. Dan Electro bass guitar, and okay. he never knew how to play. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, that was an awkward. Because it's not like we didn't like the guy. It was just uh, kind of, you know, transition. All of a sudden, I'm he came over, I think, and I I bought a brand new bass and I got a bass amp sitting down there. <laughs> I'm practicing with you guys. Oh, hey guys, uh, what's going on? You know, type. Oh man. But anyway, um, he's gonna love it if he hears this episode. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just like I have, but he is a dentist now, actually. Yeah, he uh, is. Yeah, he is, owns his own practice, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah. Orthodontics, if you want to check it out. <laughs> 
but um so you know bass bass was um i'm not i i don't know how i learned to play bass it's just basically i followed your power chords wherever you were on the guitar yeah. i kind of followed on bass um it's not like we were composing most mozart or anything like that it was you know quick fast music um but that was that was a lot of fun back then thinking you know all those times we had playing in front of people and just just practice was was an awesome time just you know rocking out with with all of us together um took a majority i mean that's how we spent a lot of time back then yeah and it's funny because i think the most talented person person in our band was probably jay and he kind of just took a back seat and just like let me lead the band because i'm like the most passionate about making the music and, and jay's like over here like i can play piano trumpet drums what the fuck like <laughs> i can do all this stuff and i'm like i can barely play guitar and sing like that's cool <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm no bass player i just it was basically it was pretty easy to pick up um and it was we, we just had a blast doing it i remember that yeah playing all those extra sessions in jay's grandma's grandma's garage and stuff so i do remember one of the funniest situations of the band and this actually led to the naming of our album um uh basically we're in practice at jay's grandma's garage their grandparents garage garage and he was the drummer and uh something was off in the timing and i was playing a song and singing and i could just feel something wasn't something was off and i just stopped and i said jay you're a beat off <laughs> like you're a beat off jay like what are you doing he's like i'm not a i'm a beat off you're a beat off and then we both looked over at you and you're just like laughing your ass off because <laughs> we realized oh you're talking about like masturbating like i'm a beat off you're a beat off um so we're like fuck it and when we were actually recording the album we're like what are we going to call it and i just remembered that that scenario happening i was like why don't we call it i'm a beat off you're a beat off and that's what stuck i feel like it's one of the best musical puns and inside jokes combined yeah um i definitely remember that and yeah speaking of jay's grandma's garage just that brings back a whole ton of other memories um hanging out there a lot but recording um, our music video and all such exactly exactly <laughs> yeah um but no that was that was so great i don't think you guys you guys had no clue what you were saying you're just calling each other beat offs at the top of your lungs and I was just over there laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will say that I probably only have two regrets about our band. Um, one, at one point, Jay mentioned that uh, we knew Duck Dodger, which was a band from our, well, a band from across the river in Bismarck, I believe. But um, they actually were supposed to be playing a, a, a show with MXPX in South Dakota. Do you remember this? Because I mentioned it to Jay and he had no recollection of this. I don't, know. Okay, so at one point, Jay came to both of us and said, hey, uh, Duck Dodger is going to be playing for MXPX and Pierre, South Dakota, uh, like two Tuesdays from now. And he's like, Duck Dodger was asking if we were interested because they were asked to find an, a, like a, an opener and, and Duck Dodger was the supporting band. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, let's go. Let's do it. And you guys are both like, no way. Like, we can't. First of all, we are seniors. So, like, why the fuck not? Like. Like, it's a Tuesday. Who gives a shit about a Wednesday? Like, nothing's going to happen on that Wednesday. But you guys were like, no, we can't miss school. You were definitely like, I'm not going to ask my mom. I'm like, Sandy won't give a shit. Just let, let's go. But yeah, you were like, I'm not going to ask my mom to like take a night off of school to go down to Pierre, South Dakota with, you know, a couple of 18 year olds. Like, 
it's just like for you guys it was and i knew gene and gene and, and florence are gonna be like absolutely no way i'm like that's why you don't ask just say you're staying over somewhere else but yeah so that got kibosh and i was like i wish that we would have done that even if we just said yes and even if we didn't get it but we didn't even say yes we just yeah i think he just never went back to him which was one of my biggest regrets because i think that would have been a, an eye-opening experience playing for a bigger band like that just one night one random night in our in our lives um so that was my one of my biggest regrets i can't believe like neither of you guys seem to remember this at all and it's well, probably because you had no you had no reservations like you weren't going to do it yeah um that sounds like <laughs> something definitely that would have there's no way i would have been able to do that back yeah. when, <laughs> with my mom at the time um i doubt she would have let me go by myself for one and then yeah but i yeah mxpx i can't believe that that it was a, a definite no so fast. That's kind of, that yeah. is kind of surprising. Yeah, I was, I think there was a little bit of like, could we do it? And then you're like, well, I'm not gonna ask my mom. And and, and <laughs> Jay was the same. He's like, I'm not gonna ask my parents. I'm like, we can do it. Just say yes now and we'll figure it out or something. But, <laughs> and you guys were just like, no, I was like, fuck. <laughs> the only other regret I probably have is just like, just saying, fuck college. Like, let's go out and play for a year as a band and see what happens. and. And and just see what goes on because you know at that point I would have just loved to keep playing music for like two or three years just to see what would have happened because we were kind of getting on a roll. Do you ever kind of look back at that and think, you know what, maybe we should have given this a shot? Um, yeah, because I think I would have been totally open to it because um, I didn't really commit to a college until later in my senior year really i had yeah i had i was gonna go to the community college there in, in bismarck for a while until i kind of uh sat back and thought about it but um yeah i think i think um you know it would have been a lot of fun yeah well i think this is the 20th anniversary of our album actually is it yeah <laughs> i think like it was, it was the year after we graduated you said that yeah. sounds yeah that's 2001 great. yeah 20 years ago. Wow. <laughs> crazy. I was going to actually do a, a music video for astronaut. Like I was going to get it animated. Cause I like, that's like the best story on the album. And then I was looking at costs and I was like, I'm not going to do that for like four grand. <laughs> like, nah, <laughs> but if anybody out there is willing to animate the five minute video, <laughs> absolutely hit me up support at powered by rock.com. I'll look into it. Cause this is, it's, it's a great little song. Uh, probably the most professional sounding song or most kind of, uh, radio ready, I guess the rest are all pop punk. That one's kind of more like a rock song. Um, but yeah, that was, I, I really wanted to do that and be like 20th anniversary reissue, like remastered and all this stuff. And I was like, that's so expensive and so time consuming. So I was like, I didn't do it, but. <laughs> oh man, that'd have been great. Would have been awesome. Yeah. I will say one of the craziest things, and this is another random memory I have of that band was we we played a show and this was in Bismarck and it was completely random because we got put together with this band who you might not even remember this because it seems like a dream. I'm like, I don't even know how we met these guys. I don't know how we got put on to a show with them, but they were like probably two, three years older than us. And they were like straight up like Mohawks and like spike leather jackets kind of guys. And, you know, they played just like thrash punk, like just like every song was like that. Like, they're just hammering on the, uh, the, the snare and the hi-hat with an open hi-hat the whole time. And we played the show, and I believe it was after the show, we ended up going back to, like, 
their house or their band house or something like that. And it was just like Paps Blue Ribbon everywhere. <laughs> just like probably marijuana and drugs. I don't even know. I wasn't really paying attention, but I'm just like, we're literally like, you know, pretty clean cut guys. And I know you had the, the Tom DeLong thing going on at the time. Like you were like painting your fingernails and stuff like that. And <laughs> look like an emo kid. So I'm like, how are we even like, like, this is so weird that like music can bring these totally different types of people together. And we end up like shotgunning beers with these guys. But I'm like, I think we left a little early because we felt we might get murdered if we stuck around too long. Do you remember that band? Yeah, that was, I don't remember the band, but I kind of remember being at that party now that you mentioned yeah. it. Um, because yeah, it was so odd. And we yeah. were, and I definitely felt out of place. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, these people look like they're about to shoot heroin. And uh, I, I don't think I want to be around for that. <laughs> that was probably a, sh what was that? the the bean is that what that place was called it wasn't for that show but it was for a different show in bismarck at like some random like bfw well yeah, exactly like one of them holes yeah. or something like that yeah that's and that's i think yeah yeah exactly i do remember playing that coffee shop at the bean though that was that was an interesting venue and then we wrote a song about killing people at the bean later <laughs> oh boy yeah so yeah i mean that's pretty much it i think I think it's been always, it's always good to have a kind of trip down memory lane, but uh, I'll definitely bring you back for some more, you know, entertainment conversations. Maybe we'll have some shots on there next time and I'll end up throwing up in a wastebasket or something like that. But, um, you know, I think that's all I got. So I want to thank you obviously for joining me. Uh, did you have anything that you want to part, you know, just parting words for any aspiring punk rock fans or, you know, anybody in the Midwest who might, struggle to actually listen to good music because that's where we grew up and and you're still there i mean you, you you moved out of the small town but you're still in the midwest yeah man you put me on the spot here to like <laughs> give some words of wisdom and i can i can barely navigate my own life but uh <laughs> let's see here well we made it this far in life so that's good <laughs> <laughs> no i mean you know punk's all about you be you right like um whatever makes you feel good uh you should do it and if it's not like other people then you know so be it but uh i would say to any aspiring artist out there just yeah just just keep going at it and do whatever feels good to you yeah don't don't uh don't let your other bandmates say no just replace them <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> go to pierre south dakota yourself and open for uh MXPS. I'm like, this looks pretty awkward. There's supposed to be a bass riff here or something. <laughs> <laughs> Drum solo. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that's a pretty good word of advice because I think especially in towns that are so clicky and so like you have to like stick to one kind of, you know, you know, type of social environment, you know, punk music comes in there and it it makes it like the epitome of punk music is kind of rebel against stuff, right? I will say that there's a lot of conformity in that non-conformity though. Like all those people end up wearing the exact same clothes. It's like, you're just wearing a punk uniform now. Like that's not what punk's supposed to be. Right. But like, that's how it ends up being. So like, I'll, I'll see like pictures of people who are punk and I'm like, yeah, but you look like everybody else. You don't have to have a thousand tattoos and a spike leather jacket to be punk. Like you just have to have the mindset and the, and the freedom to be able to express yourself in different ways. And if you can do that. I think that's a pretty good uh, way to go in your life and and don't, feel like you have to dress up to play play the punk <laughs> exactly so i want to thank obviously my lifelong friend justin jar for joining the show today and i think we should do this again soon because i feel like we only scratched the surface on the past 
but we could also spend more time talking about present day bands as well. Oh, and as a special treat, I'm going to put a link to the five-star album, I'm a beat off, you're a beat off in the show notes below this. So if you hate it, that's pretty expected. But if you like it, well, we're happy that, you know, someone other than ourselves does. So awesome. Uh, if you like what you heard on the show today, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends on social media. Also, if you want to check out some of our written content or any of the products or merch that we have available, go to poweredbyrock.com to read our absolutely free rocking blog full of album reviews, interviews, and lists to keep you entertained and find our gear as well. So you can pick up some items to play and look like a rock legend. That's our show for today. We'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on.